0: And So uh, as we, we go into the sermon this morning, we're coming from Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 20, and, and with everything that we said, of course, it's always difficult to want to keep you, you here tuned in um, via, the, via the, the, the Zoom feed any longer than, than, than you would. You know that you would have to, but um, this this particular text is it's a short passage. It's only six verses, but it's one of those short texts that I feel like we could talk about for hours and hours. And so it was a challenge to figure out what we're going to cut out. And I want to do my I want to do my best this morning with the Holy Spirit's help to share what I feel like God has given me in this text, and and more of a and more of a um here is here's the information. Here is you know what I what I'd really love for you to for you to hear the Spirit saying, but also in a way where i want you to be consistently throughout the sermon and the points um Thinking about, okay, Lord, what does this look like specifically for me, specifically for the people you've called me to, the community I live in, um, the family I've been born into. So we're just going to take our time to kind of walk through this that way, and, and it's something that's near and dear to my heart, because just a quick uh, quick uh, spoiler alert we 're going to be talking about discipleship, and discipleship is so near and dear to my heart because I feel like I've experienced it done really poorly as well as really well, and I'd much rather it be done really well. Both for me and by me, and also for you and and by you, um, this morning as 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 our church. So, we're going to read Mark chapter one verses fourteen through twenty. We'll pray together, and then we'll dig in. And so, beginning in verse fourteen of Mark chapter one, it says, "After John, excuse me, <clears throat> after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come," he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. for They were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men, and they followed him. This, then, is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me before we hear what the Lord has to say to us in this sermon. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word. And, Lord, I am just grateful for every time I come to the word to study for a sermon, to study, period. You continue through Holy Spirit to prove that your word is alive, that your word is continuing to speak to every change, every season of my own life, particularly, and every season and change in your church as well. The church global and Redeemer Community Church as a part of that local body, as a local body. Lord, I just thank you for that. And I pray that you would do so again this morning. Prove, Father God, through your word. In every heart and mind that is here present, Father God, um, that that it continues to speak, Father, to directly where we are, whatever season of life. My prayer, Father, is that each of us would be shaped through your word this morning by being discipled by truth, but also by becoming disciplers in the truth of other people. Would you help us this morning? There's anybody uh, here this morning, uh, is anybody not with us this morning that wish they could be for whatever reason? I just pray you're working whatever the situation out is in their life so that they can join in with us very soon or sometime this week. Tune in and be blessed by your word afresh, Lord God. Lord, anybody here who does not know you um, unto salvation of forgiveness of their sins, that by hearing these truths, hearing the gospel, Holy Spirit, you'll be tugging on their heart, working in their heart, that they would trust you and follow that command to follow you. Lord, we love and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And so I'm going to begin this morning by just making it really, making it really fairly plain where we're going. So with this first part of the sermon, this, for, this first point, the first point um, you can put up there, uh, uh, Clay, is that kingdom work is the work of the Holy Spirit or the work of the Spirit. And so the gospel writer, Mark, he begins this passage by, by making reference to the imprisonment of John the Baptist. And he says that after John was put in prison, Jesus went about proclaiming that the time has come, that the kingdom of God has drawn near. And Mark's reference to John's imprisonment is meant to highlight the significant relationship between John's ministry and Jesus's ministry. You see, John's work was to proclaim the impending or coming kingdom of God. And so his imprisonment and his imminent death at the hand of Herod who decapitated John ultimately, it marks the end of his work and the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, namely the arrival or the inauguration of the kingdom of God. Now, We've said this many times as we've been talking through the gospels and we come, we come up with, we we come up against this idea of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. We say that the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is the rule and reign of God. And the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is found in the hearts and the minds of men and women who live under God's leadership or who live yielded to his leading, his rule in their lives. And typically, here at Redeemer, when we speak about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, we often speak about our roles in the kingdom, right? We talk about the things we need to do to love our neighbor, to care for those in need. We talk about how we utilize our influence and resources and talents to bring about heaven now, right, to bring about God's rule and reign and redemption in our world now. And all of that is right, and all of that is necessary. But there's somebody in all of this work, there's somebody who doesn't quite get enough credit for his role in the work of the kingdom. And that's namely the Holy Spirit. Because although we do a lot of great things for the kingdom, rightly so, kingdom work is ultimately the fruit of the Holy Spirit's work. It's important, brothers and sisters, that we understand that it is the work of the Holy Spirit in and through kingdom people that brings about the kingdom of God. Keep in mind that even Jesus's kingdom work began with the Holy Spirit anointing him in the event that happens right before, right on the heels of our text this morning. And so this is why Jesus goes on to say in our passage in verse 15, he says, repent and believe the good news. Because the Holy Spirit's work is to bring about the repentance, faith, and submission to God's will. The work of the Holy Spirit is to bring about repentance, faith, and submission to God's will in the hearts of Jesus' followers. And so without the Holy Spirit's work, there's no faith, there's no repentance, and there's no submission. There's no yielding to God's will. And without these three, there's no kingdom of God. There's no rule and reign of God in a person's heart and life. And this is important for us to understand, brothers and sisters, because. In our world right now and in in, in the culture we live in, very often there's a temptation to reduce the kingdom of God and the qualifications for those who reside in the kingdom of God to simply what we do, right? There's a temptation to reduce the kingdom to a list of do's and don'ts. The danger here, though, is is that we we start to consider people to be kingdom people just because they do some things just because they do some kingdom-like things. But we have to keep in mind, brothers and sisters, that the work of the kingdom is first and foremost the work of the Holy Spirit. And the work of the Holy Spirit is to bring about repentance, faith, and submission to the will of God, the rule and reign of God in the hearts of Christians. And so sometimes, you know, when we're engaging with people, especially when we when we're going about doing kingdom work as we should as we should go about doing we assume someone to be a christian because of the good things they do but then at some point in our journey with them we realize that maybe they're not okay with the biblical view of jesus right they're not okay with with the jesus that the bible promotes or overall they're not okay with the scripture You know, last week, Pastor Drew did a fantastic job of helping us see that part of being a Christ follower means to to, to wrestle. And we're going to talk about this, but to wrestle with what's uncomfortable about the scriptures. And being uncomfortable with hard truths in the scriptures is really good because it proves that it's not us, but God speaking into us. If we're always okay with what God says, then it's probably not God speaking. Just like if in your relationship with someone, if you're always okay with what someone else is saying to you in relationship, they're probably an imaginary friend. And so, brothers and sisters, it's important that we understand that, that kingdom work is the fruit of the Holy Spirit in the lives of kingdom people. And so we don't want to assume that people are, are necessarily members of the kingdom just because, oh, they're doing good things necessarily. Because what we find that there are people who are espousing or, or promoting even all of the right things, right? They, they, they know and say all of the quote-unquote right theologies. They, they, they promote all the, 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 the quote-unquote right worldviews. But then we look at their lives and we find that they're not doing anything, right? That's that other side of the spectrum, you see, brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit causes kingdom people to both believe and to do what the king says. Right now in this particular um, uh this current season, which um, it feels like there's a transition happening with the new administration and such, and, and I pray that there is um, some some good things coming from it. But even still, especially with this role of dean and, and just continuing to be a pastor to our people here, I'm having just so many questions with church people, other pastors, with friends um, who are just deeply grieved by the polarization or the great divisions that are occurring between Christians right now. Not, not the world itself, but just within the body of Christ. And it just seems like Christians are landing on every side of issues, except on Jesus's side, except on the side of the kingdom. And one of my pastor friends, he pointed out to me this past week, the story of Joshua at the battle of Jericho. And in Joshua chapter five, Joshua was preparing to, to take the land of Jericho and he sees an angel with his, with his sword drawn and afraid of the angel. He asked him, he says, he says, are you on our side or are you on the side of my enemies? And to that, the angel replied, I'm for neither of you. He says, I'm a commander of the army of the Lord. He says, I'm not on your side or their side. I'm on God's side. I'm, I'm on a mission for the Lord. And you see, brothers and sisters, we're not supposed to be ultimately aligning ourselves with either side with either party, with either position. Allegiance of kingdom people is to the kingdom of God. And we are we are supposed to be relying on the Holy Spirit, the leading of the Spirit. And by doing so, he will ensure that we arrive at kingdom positions every time. Amen? Amen. And so that first point, brothers and sisters, that first point is that kingdom work is the work of the Holy Spirit. The second point we move on to is this. Kingdom people are disciples of Jesus, right? Kingdom people are disciples of Jesus. And so looking back at our passage this morning in verse 16, Jesus begins his ministry, his kingdom work. And the first thing on his agenda is taking on a few disciples, right? So he goes By the sea and he finds some fishermen. These fishermen are named Simon, Andrew, James and John. And he gives them the simplest yet most significant command in all of scripture. Jesus simply says, follow me. Now, why is this the most significant command in all of scripture? What makes this the most significant command? Well, because this command, the command to follow Jesus is the chief end. To use some, some shorter catechism language, it is the chief end, it is the primary purpose, it is the it is the primary impetus of uh, uh, why we live, what we do for kingdom people. In the kingdom of God, the number one priority of its citizens, the number one priority of kingdom citizens is to follow King Jesus. And so when Jesus says, follow me. He doesn't just mean go where I go, right? It's not like the game we all used to play as children, follow the leader, right? It, it's not like, you know, when you were back in elementary school in the hallway and you, you made a single file line and you had the, 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 the line leader who would put his hand up or put the finger over his mouth. or, or it, 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 That's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus' call to follow him is the call to become Jesus' disciple. And for us in 2021, especially in 2021 America, the significance of discipleship or the process of becoming a disciple, it's, it's a little lost on us. And it's lost on us because it's altogether a very ancient Jewish practice. But for these Jewish men who lived in that ancient Jewish world, they understood off the bat what Jesus meant when he said, follow me. They understood the the significance of this call. And they understood three things particularly about the significance of being called to be the, 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 the disciple of a, of a teacher or in, Jew, in, Jew, um, in Judaism, they called him a rabbi. They understood first this, right, that the call to be a disciple meant to live in such close relationship with the rabbi or the teacher that he had a deep knowledge of their lives and the authority to speak into their lives. The call to discipleship was a call to uniquely deep relationship that left no parts of the lives of the disciples off limits to the influence of the teacher. The call to discipleship meant to live in such real, deep, intimate, transparent relationship with the rabbi, the teacher, that no part of of him speaking into your life is off limits. I hope you guys are making the connection. I hope you guys are making the connection between what the disciples understood and what disciples today are to understand. Amen. The second point is this. To be a disciple, they understood it meant to wrestle with what the rabbis said about the scriptures in order to understand how God would have them live their lives in response. Right. In other words, the call to discipleship was a call to be uncomfortable. Right. The Bible says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It was the call to be uncomfortable as one worked to submit their life to the truth that the rabbi revealed from the scripture. And they also understood that the call to discipleship meant to yield to the rabbi or teacher's authority as he guided them through the scriptures. And this is why Jesus always, look in the scripture, Jesus always refers to the scriptures, particularly the Old Testament scriptures that they had on hand when teaching his disciples about his own identity and purposes as well as their identity and purposes in the kingdom. And what we find here in these three particular things is the common unifying thread through all of these aspects of discipleship is the scripture. Brothers and sisters, being a disciple of Jesus means to be a disciple of the Bible. The scriptures are God's primary tools for forming disciples of Jesus. And so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Back then in in their time and today in 2021, the call to follow Jesus This call to discipleship continues to this day. That call continues to this day to the church in 2021, to all kingdom people this day. And the call for all kingdom people to this day is to continually trust Jesus. To continually submit to his teaching from the Holy Scriptures and to wrestle with hard truths as we seek to apply them to our lives. The call is to continually posture our lives before him in such a way that we faithfully respond to whatever he says to us and to whatever he desires from us or of us. And so. Before we move on, let's summarize. Let's tie a nice bow on everything that's been said so far because I want us to remember this as we move on through this short passage. So to tie all this together, kingdom work is the fruit or result of the Holy Spirit working in and through kingdom people. And kingdom people are disciples of Jesus. Right? Right? Kingdom work is the fruit or result of the Holy Spirit working in and through kingdom people and kingdom people are disciples of Jesus. Gideon is being tickled pink from from what I said. I'm just going to take that as his amen. And so we move on. We move on to this this third and final point, And it's this, brothers and sisters, disciples of Jesus make disciples of Jesus. And finally, when uh, – I'm, uh, I'm sorry, Clay, I might have messed you up there, but you can go back to the follow me text. There you go. That third point is disciples of Jesus make disciples of Jesus. And finally, when Jesus calls these men, these four men that he calls in Mark chapter 1, he says, follow me, and he says, I will send you out to fish for people. I like better how, how King Jimmy puts it, the King James Version of the Bible puts it. It says, I will make you to become fishers of men. Recently, we've just gone through a Bible study on Wednesday nights through the book of Hosea, and as Pastor Drew said, we are taking a break. I'm trying to figure out what, what, what uh, book we're going to go uh, to next. But one of the cool things that, that was impactful for me as we went through this particular study was learning how cohesive, right, how connected the entire Bible is from Genesis to Revelation. There's a common thread, right, of course, of redemption, of the Lord's work in redeeming humanity, but of just so many interrelated, interconnected uh, different pieces and parts. You know, there's so much of the Old Testament in the New Testament. There's so much of one part of the Old Testament and other parts of the Old Testament. And, and this particular uh, part of Scripture that we're talking about this morning is another piece that's just fascinating to me, right? This idea of being fishers of men was not unique to what Jesus says here in Mark chapter one. Again, remember, Jesus's process of discipleship is always rooted in the Scripture. Please don't miss that, right? So even when he says things that just sounds pithy or, or strange to the disciples, it's Jesus' very wise and very creative way of incorporating the Scripture, weaving the Scripture into every fabric of the formation of the disciples. And so when he says fishers of men, he's actually looking back to what the prophet Jeremiah says in chapter 16, Right? It's, it's, he's talking about how God is planning to redeem Israel, redeem the covenant people of God from exile, and return them to their land of covenant promise. And so in verse 16 of chapter 16, Jeremiah says, But now I will send for many fishermen, declares the Lord, and they will catch them. And so it's very clear that Jesus means to say that these disciples, who he calls to follow him in his kingdom work, are those through whom God will fulfill his promise to his covenant people, right? Through the disciples, Jesus is planning to redeem his people, to call his people, to bring his people to himself. But how are the disciples to do this? Well, Jesus makes it fairly clear as we look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20 says, then Jesus came to them, his disciples, and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In other words, brothers and sisters, the kingdom work of kingdom people is simply to make more kingdom people. Or to put differently, Jesus' primary work in his kingdom is to make disciples. And so disciples of Jesus are called to make more disciples of Jesus. And the application for us is very similar to the application we talked about earlier in this sermon. And we talked about the work of the Spirit, right? It's important for us to keep in mind, for us to always keep in mind as we go about kingdom business, It's important that we understand the primary work of the kingdom is to be disciples of Jesus who are making more disciples of Jesus. And again, because there's another temptation here. It's a temptation to believe that just doing good things for people is sufficient and it's sufficiently called kingdom work. Now, don't get me wrong, brothers and sisters, please. Um, I just want to say this. Nothing is more unattractive than doing something for somebody just because you want them to be more receptive to your Jesus pitch, right? Nothing is worse than, than the old bait and switch evangelism method, right? Here's a sandwich, now take the gospel, right? You know the old I I I gave you this sandwich, so now you're indebted to sit here and 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 hear my gospel. I've even seen it to where someone said, "Give me the sandwich back if you ain't gonna hear the gospel." That's I'm not really with that kind of thing. I'm not saying that God hasn't used these methods to win people before um, because God can absolutely use anything uh, to do anything he wants to do. But as we talk about the work of the spirit being the primary agent of the work of the kingdom in and through kingdom people, then we understand that loving people with the love that is itself the fruit of the spirit, right?, that love means that we care for the whole person in our kingdom work. And so we feed somebody just because they're hungry, right? Don't assume that you failed because they ate your sandwich but didn't hear the gospel pitch, right? So don't assume. You know, I have a story here. Um, uh, years ago uh, when I was playing basketball in college, I was home for summer break, and I was at the gym every day trying to work out, trying to get better at the game. And and one day in the gym i used to go to i met this this guy and and he was covered in tattoos from head to toe he was like allen iverson uh you know 2.0 or i guess .5 cuz he wasn't as good as allen iverson but and some of you guys have no idea who i'm talking about He's a fantastic basketball player hall of famer but i met i met this guy and um uh, he, he was great he was really good at basketball he, he was he was a little shorter so I was able to best him because of my height and size but he was really good and and while we were working out at the gym we actually got to play with another um, uh, fairly famous locally semi-pro basketball player and we built a relationship he wasn't he wasn't a Christian but he was from New York like I'm from New York and and I saw this as an opportunity to share the gospel and of course the whole time I'm talking to him, I'm trying to figure out, okay, where's my opportunity to, to share the gospel? Where's my opportunity? And so one night he calls me and he says, hey, man, um, the person I've been staying with, they kicked me out of my place, and I don't have anywhere to go, and I don't really know anybody here. I came here just to try to get on with the team, and it, it didn't happen. Man, I need your help. Can you pick me up? Can you, can you take me somewhere to go? And, and and it was like 12 a.m., and I went and picked the guy up, and, and we, we drive, and he's like, I have a friend who may let me stay here, and, and I have somewhere to to go and and I drove around with this guy for for about 2 hours or so and and um and uh and and finally we were able to connect and I got him I got him a place to stay and he stayed and and I just left feeling so rejected and so much like a failure because you know I didn't I didn't get to give him the Jesus pitch. I didn't get to share Christ with him, right? and 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 this this whole portion, just just to let you know, this whole portion is somewhat of a of of a deviation from the point, but I just want to make sure that we understand in making disciples the goal is not simply to just get them to go to heaven right we 're not just trying to say hey listen i 'm doing all of these things just so you know um, just so you know." You need to believe in Jesus. Right. And, and so and, and so I felt rejected. But the Lord, over time, helped me understand that that love that I shared with that brother, that was a lot. And that was God working to show him. He knew I was a Christian to show him that God would work with him that way, that God would stick with him through whatever difficulties going through in the middle of the night. And my prayer, I don't have contact with him today. My prayers, the Lord is still working with him. And so please, I just say all that to say that don't assume that the good things you do for people, if you don't have the Jesus picture things, means it's for naught. That's not true. But with all of that said, all of that said, this is the point of the passage, brothers and sisters. This is the point of the sermon, okay? We have to keep in mind that only being concerned for someone's physical well-being or only being concerned for their economic standing or their education or any of those physical temporal things, only being concerned for those things fall short of the ultimate end of kingdom work. Because the ultimate end of kingdom people through whom the Spirit of God is working is for people to become disciples of Jesus. Amen. That is the ultimate end of the work. And so here's the big question. How do we make disciples of Jesus? How are we to do this? Well, we'll take a cue from the description above of the Jewish idea of discipleship, which this whole idea of discipleship that we come from the Bible is itself based on that ancient Jewish practice. And we'll talk about three things from there. But before we before we go in there, I just want to say one more aside. Friends, this means a whole lot to me, what I'm saying here this morning, because, um, as I said a little bit earlier, I have been, um, I've been the, 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 for lack of a better term, victim of some fairly unhealthy discipleship practices. I consider particularly probably the person who was most, most, um, most impactful to me in my discipleship journey. Um, a fairly famous person, a fairly, um, fairly important and, and successful person in their own right. And I just remember this person just often going out of their way to put me down, not very, not being very patient with me. And usually, you know, um, Usually kind of letting me know how valuable their time was that they were taking time away from their fame and success to spend time with me. And so as I grew in my faith, and as I would go, you know, want to walk with other people their faith, I struggled with realizing that I didn't know how to be patient with them. You know, why was I short with them when they asked me questions? Well, that's because in my discipleship relationship, you know, when I asked a question, it would seem like a burden on the person's time. And so it's really important to me that as we seek to be disciples of Jesus Christ, and as we seek to be the disciple makers that Jesus calls us to be in our kingdom work, it's important that we consider these things, these necessary aspects of being disciple makers. And so the first point is this. Disciple makers, we build relations, relationships of trust. That allows us to speak effectively into someone else's life. This old age is so true, brothers and sisters, that people do not care how much, you know, until they know how much you really care about them. It is extremely important, friends. Second thing is this. Encourage disciples to be curious, to ask questions and to wrestle with truth and then commit to patiently walking with them through their process. Commit to walking with them through their process of getting to know the Lord without imposing your own personal process onto them. And the last thing is this. Demonstrate a life that ultimately trusts and submits to the truth of Scripture, no matter how difficult that will be at times. Oh, how helpful it is for someone to be able to think back and say, man, I have this hard decision in front of me. What would my what would so and so do? What would my big brother or sister so and so do? And to have the, the, the memory of your faithfulness in a difficult time to push them on in their faithfulness to the word of God in their difficult time. Understand that true discipleship is life on life. Jesus spent three years with these men and three years they saw him sleep. They saw him pray. They saw him eat. They saw how he treated his mother. They saw how he treated children. They saw how he treated his brothers and sisters. They saw how he treated the sick and the downcast. They saw how he wept. For three years, these men watched him. And there's no doubt in my mind that as they walked in their life, and most significantly, as they came to their own deaths, some incredibly gruesome deaths their own, They could even remember how their savior, how their rabbi, how their teacher died. Brothers and sisters, the call to discipleship is the call to let someone see your life and through that to see Jesus himself. And so in closing, brothers and sisters, I'd like to summarize by saying this, that kingdom work is ultimately the Holy Spirit at work in and through disciples who themselves are making disciples. And so the invitation for all of us this morning is to jump in. Jump in, brothers and sisters, get busy. If you're new to church or you don't quite understand what it means, talk about the Holy Spirit and repenting and believing and all that stuff that I said pretty early in this sermon, this idea of being discipled, walking through discipleship then, hey, you know, I have a great place for you to start this morning. Go ahead and reach out to me, Leon at RedeemerATL.org. I'd love to talk to you about it. Fantastic place to start. If you're new to studying the scriptures or you just want an opportunity to to be formed more and disciple more through the scriptures, join us on Wednesday nights for Bible study. If you you, you can't make it then, then reach out and we'll, we'll give you some more resources. Amen. So that you can be formed, so that you can be discipled as Jesus would have us to be discipled. And then so that you, too, can become a, ma- a maker of disciples yourself. Let's pray together, friends. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word. And, and I just thank you so much um, for your patience with us, your patience with us as we, we, we discover how um, to ourselves be formed and then also how we can be of assistance in forming others. And I just pray that you continue to help walk us through this process wherever we are there, Lord God. Both in our forming, because we're always being formed, but also in our help and forming others. Be with us. Help us, Holy Spirit, to always lean on you when we're considering the work you've called us to in the kingdom. It won't look the same for everybody. I consider that that passage that was read this morning. We're called to so many different spheres of life, but wherever we are, you intend for us to be kingdom workers. And I pray you're helping us to figure out just what that looks like for us individually and collectively as a church. Bless our church. Keep them. And I thank you so much for them. In Jesus name. Amen.